Welcome to Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, when we started thinking about this episode, it was when you were driving up to see your sister. And as is our process, often we're just talking about what's going on in our lives, what we've heard on previous episodes, things in the news, you know, whatever is sort of happening often sort of inspires our episodes. And indeed, that's the case with this one in that we really want to talk about when things get tough and we all have the ups and downs. And we've heard that from a lot of our guests, but in this case, you're dealing with a couple tough things. And I know when we were talking, you were on your way up to see your sister. You want to talk to us about what's been going on? So yeah, I was heading to my sister's house in Maryland. So we had lots of time in the car to be talking about this. And I was on my way because the prior week she'd had a very major surgery, 11 and a half hour surgery, and was in the hospital for eight days. And I was heading there for four or five days to just be with her, spend time with her, emotional support, help my brother-in-law, who's just an incredible caretaker for something like this. And I will say, while what's going on for her right now is hard, and she was diagnosed in the spring with her second primary cancer, what this also had me thinking a lot about was flashing back to 2015, which is when she was treated for stage three breast cancer. Not that I want to compare things because they're different, but in 2015, her cancer was combined with my mother having been in a car accident, like at the same time my sister was diagnosed, surfaced issues of cognitive impairment and thus ensued a year where my sister's going through her treatments. I'm taking over all the financial responsibilities for my mother, managing all the logistics of what was happening, where she was going to go. She couldn't go back home. And I will just say my mother was difficult on her best day. And so I'm worried for my sister. I'm so overwhelmed with the sheer mass of things that had to be taken care of for my mother. Well, and it's not like your whole life got put on hold either. You still had a business you were running, you were still married. I mean, like your whole life was still happening. And all of a sudden you're worried about your sister, worried about your mom, and then taking over basically the major parts of your mom's life in a lot of ways. And then to layer on top of that, by the end of the year, my mother died. One of my cousins, who was in her 90s, one of my favorite cousins died two weeks after my mother. Warren's aunt, who we were very close to, died that year. And I lost two friends to suicide that year. This is a shit year all around 2015. I mean, this is tidal wave after tidal wave coming at you. How did you deal with that? There were so many things that made it hard. Obviously, emotionally, it was a very, very hard year. But it was also one of those times where literally there were more A items and things that felt like life and death than there was time. So on the one hand, it made it very easy to prioritize the stuff that really isn't that urgent, that we often feel like is urgent. 
But I will say it was a year where I operated on a fairly significant shortage of emotional capacity. It's an interesting way to think about this. When things get really, really difficult, this idea of emotional capacity is an interesting one. Say a little bit more about what you mean when you use that term. So I think the simplest way to explain what what I mean when I talk about it is how much space do you have before you hit the moment where there's a straw that breaks the camel's back? And so sort of by definition, a straw doesn't weigh very much. And so a lot of times, a straw landing on your back, if you will, you just let it roll off. It's not a big deal. It's kind of on any given day, one little thing or even a couple little things, whatever. We can give people some grace. We can assume best intent. But when they build up and build up and build up, it becomes this idea of the straw that breaks the camel's back. I was always right on the edge. That's probably the best way to say it. The minute something might feel like, okay, uh, it's selling down for a minute, the next thing would just come roaring through. And so on the one hand, I got to really, really practice many of the things that I'd been working with and talking about and around mindset and awareness and intentionally doing things to stay grounded. And on the other hand, there was not enough time to do all the things that I would normally do to stay grounded. Some of the things that we both have talked about in the past, like it's different for every person, but I think maybe we start there with identifying what are some of the things for each of us as individuals that really kind of help to keep us grounded, that help to increase that amount of emotional capacity such that we can access it when needed I mean, I know for me, it has so much to do with movement. And for instance, just just yesterday, the day before we were recording this, I was on a Zoom, started at 7 a.m. and we went to 3 p.m. And so I didn't get my normal kind of hour-long walk in, in the morning. And I could just, I could feel it physically. I could feel it as just a little bit shorter with people. And so it's just important to, to recognize some of those things that kind of help us. So during that time, you weren't being able to do some of the things that really helps you, right? In many ways, it was my year of thinking small because some of the things that helped me much like you is moving, walking, going to a yoga class, going to a meditation class. Well, there was literally no time to go to a 60-minute yoga class or a 90-minute yoga class. As desperately as I needed that, and as much as it would have helped, there was no time. Similar to me, like things that normally would help to kind of keep your feet on the ground to really give yourself a sense of capacity, you just weren't able to do some of those things. So what happened as a result? Like when you weren't able to get to that hour-long yoga class or sit for a meditation for a while or go for your walk, what was the result of not being able to do some of those things? It was really a lack of being able to replenish my emotional capacity. And so after a stressful day going to a yoga class, you usually come out with the sense of, oh my God, I feel so much less stressed or I just, I feel so much better. And so when I think about emotional capacity, I almost visualize a container, except it's the opposite. Like you want your container to barely be filled. The container is what holds the stress. And so if there's just, if you're only up to, let's just say it's a cup, if you're only up to a quarter of a cup, you have three quarters of a cup left of emotional capacity. A lot of us have things we do that 
constantly replenish our emotional capacity or reduce our stress or get us grounded. And without being able to do that, it was literally just every day was building on top of the day before and on top of the day before. And so I I would just say I was not operating as levelly as I would normally operate. I was a little bit more snappish. I didn't have a lot of patience, right? It's like, I don't have time for this crap. So I'll give you a really, really good example. So, okay, you know Warren really well. And he would give you the shirt off his back. Like if there's a way for him to help, he is almost always just super happy to help. And one of the things that was happening is, like I said, my mother had been in a car accident. We told her her car was totaled because she could not drive again. Her car wasn't actually totaled. It was very badly damaged. And so it was being repaired so that we could sell it. So we had somebody in California, because I'm in Raleigh, my mother was in Southern California. We had somebody in California that was helping with the logistics of this. And I'm on the phone with Jody and Warren's sitting in my office and she's telling me about the situation with the car and the mechanic. And I look up and I say to Warren, can you handle the mechanic? And from my perspective, he made a face. And I interpreted the face as, what, you want me to do that? And immediately I was like, forget it. Forget it, I'll do it. You were going through a tremendous amount at that time. And you can easily see how you could get to that point. And if you just think about like, there are times when we all get out of balance in some ways when when we will be not at our best selves or more snappy or or whatever. So Ward makes his face. <laughs> I'm sure that his face was probably like, huh? <laughs> and you interpreted it in some way. But really the the bigger point here is I'm gonna guess is that was a little bit of a clue to you, like, oh shit, I am so far out of whack at this point. And let me just say, lest anybody be thinking bad thoughts about Warren. He managed the whole relationship with the mechanic. It was great. He took it off my plate. And it was a moment for both of us that me recognizing, okay, even if I'm going to lose my shit, I need to be aware and take a breath and pause, hopefully before I lose it. But that year, that was not always the case. And also for me to be able to ask for what I need and say to Warren, I am so on edge. It would be really, really helpful if you would also be mindful of how you're reacting or how you're responding because I just am so edgy. The other thing that would be reasonable to ask for or to even sort of acknowledge would be to say, look, I am so on edge. And so if I seem snappier than usual, I'm just going to ask you ahead of time to give me a little bit of grace because I've just got so much going on. And so you weren't able to go to the hour long yoga class. You weren't able to go to the meditation class. You weren't able to get as many walks in house. What did you do instead? Like you kind of come to this realization point with the Warren and the mechanic situation that something needed to shift. So what did you do to help yourself? I started thinking really, really, really small. And so, no, I couldn't go to a yoga class, but I could sit on my mat for 10 minutes every day and breathe. I didn't even have enough concentration to meditate. It was just sit on my mat, 10 minutes, set a timer, count my breaths. And that made a difference. 
it didn't fix everything. It didn't suddenly have me not edgy at all, but it made a huge difference. I couldn't do my normal walks, but what I could do was take a couple walks around the block every day. Honestly, it really became, how do I make this small enough that I can do it? You know, it strikes me that we're talking about some physical things. And again, for me and for you, that's often the thing that really helps. And we've talked about the Enneagram before, and our particular Enneagram type is a body type, which is all about being able to expend some energy. Different people will have different things. And so for some people, that might mean just grabbing 10 minutes to read, or it might mean 10 minutes in a dark room by myself, or it might mean, I don't know, 10 minutes chatting on the phone with somebody. It's different for everybody, but I think one of the things that we're suggesting is to think of those things that really replenish your cup. And now we're mixing metaphors a little bit because I'm talking about filling your cup up and you're talking about keeping the cup empty. But the point is the same in that finding ways to increase your emotional capacity when you're not under stress and duress is the way to have more resilience when you do get to that point. And so finding those things, maybe it's listening to this fabulous podcast, who knows, but finding those things that really help you so that you can call on that capacity when you need it. And for you, you realized I don't have an hour, but I've got 10 minutes. Other people, even if it is the same amount of time, it just might be doing something different. So we're inviting our listeners to think about what are those things that really help you feel more grounded, more connected to yourself, more ready to face the challenges of the world? What are the things that you do in order to replenish yourself and building in ways to do those now when you're not in the middle of stress? Sherry, you said it so beautifully about thinking small because when you're not in the middle of it, you can take an hour, but what are the things you can do to sort of take smaller bites when you get to the point where you don't have that kind of time? So two comments I want to make. One is the importance, as you're saying, Anne, about building this muscle or building your emotional capacity is that it is inevitable that hard things are going to happen. It is inevitable that at some point you're going to have a bad year or a bad month or a bad situation. And if you're already starting from a place of anything could be the straw that breaks the camel's back, it's a really good hint that if your day-to-day life is creating that, that Mm, making a commitment to work on building that muscle would serve you well down the road. The other thing I would say that made a huge difference for me, and it took me a few months to get there, is really being rigorous around saying, what can I say no to, even if it's uncomfortable? Because I mean, literally my thing was, is something bad going to happen if I don't do this? And that helped me eliminate a lot of things because things that I would have said, well, I made a commitment. I don't want to back out of this. It just became, it doesn't matter. I referred to it as keep the wheels on the bus. That's my business. Just keep the wheels from falling off and be there for my sister and manage the situation with my mother. 
and yeah. keep the pets alive. And, <laughs> it, and it really was nothing else is going to be as important as those things. One of the things I hear you saying is you can't be all things to all people all of the time. And you made a decision during that time to really prioritize your sister and your mother and your pets, as opposed to, I'm going to guess you weren't building up your business that year. And I'm going to guess things that you normally would have said yes to, you had to say no to that year. And there were other things that probably just sort of fell off the radar. And it's not that it's forever. It's just not necessarily right now. One of the things that made a huge difference then was also being very open about what was going on in my life. And I was so, so lucky to have amazing clients because there were times where I just had to change things around. And so it was a good reminder that being open about what is happening actually reduces stress. Well, that sort of leads us a little bit to some steps and some thoughts about when you are going through those really, really tough times. And I do think acknowledging what is happening is sort of a first step. And how you acknowledge may be different given your different circumstances, but allowing yourself to really feel the feelings. I am a person that tends to just push through and muscle my way through things and just hope it's all okay on the other side. And as we were prepping for this episode, I, I started reflecting on when my dad passed away and his caretaker had called. I was literally on my way out the door to work and had found him and he had sadly died. And so I went over to his home. My mom came over, my brother, and we were still waiting for the coroner to come and take him away. And I remember distinctly, I immediately went into do, 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 do mode. I mean, the man was still dead on the floor upstairs and I was calling and thinking about caterers and what are we going to do for service? And that might serve somebody for a short term, but the problem is in my case, and if anybody listening is similar to this, is you don't give yourself the chance to feel the feels. And I do think this is a first step. When things get really, really tough, the first step is to really allow yourself to acknowledge what is happening. Now, there's a difference between sort of acknowledging and wallowing. And I wish that you and I had a perfect formula to to thread the needle of when you're sort of allowing yourself to feel the feelings and, and wallowing. We don't, there is no perfect way to do that. But I do think what you were starting to say about also acknowledging it to other people can be a tremendous help in reflecting back to you. Am I in that place of acknowledgement or am I in that place of wallowing? You know, Anne, as you are talking about reaching out to friends and creating your support system or figuring out what kind of support you need, I will say it's so important. And I got to witness this incredible scaffolding and love and help around my sister, Karen, when I was there. I mean, all the way from, I think food is often an easy thing for people to do when they don't know what to do. So I will just say we ate incredibly well while I was there. <laughs> and, but it was so much more than that. It was people just stopping by to 
check in on her and stay for however long she wanted them to be. Just so respectful of you tell me when you need me to leave. People literally running errands, taking care of things for them. The number of phone calls and flowers in her house and care packages and messages, it makes a huge difference. Like I see what an impact that is having on her. And it's so important when you yourself are going through something incredibly difficult. It's your illness, right? Your loved one has has died or is dying or just anything that might be happening where it's very hard for you, but sometimes things are happening to someone else that affect you. So with my sister, like she is the one going through it. She is the one who had surgery. She is the one who is going to be dealing with treatment for this for a while. But that doesn't mean I'm not impacted. I'm impacted because I love my sister and it's hard to see her go through this. And it brings up all kinds of emotions for me. And so there's something about not just supporting the person who's going through the hard thing. But if it's having an impact on you, making sure you have support as well. I think that's super important. And and the same sort of steps apply, right? So we've, we've really talked about acknowledging what's happening and whether it's happening to you or it's happening, you're still impacted exactly to your point, if it's happening to somebody you care about. So really acknowledging that and then creating that support team kind of around you. And then one of the things that we've already talked about quite a bit is this idea of self-care and same thing, whether it's happening to you yourself or to somebody you care about, finding the ways to take care of yourself in either situation, which you've already talked about quite a bit. But I think it's, you're making an important point here because sometimes there might be a little bit of, I don't know, guilt or, or something like, well, it's not really me that's sick, but it, it still has that impact. If it's somebody we love, then it is absolutely impacting us as well. And so giving yourself the space and the grace to recognize like this is having a big impact on me is incredibly important. And the same sort of steps apply. So once we've acknowledged and once we've sort of created the support system and we have some self-care, I mean, what do you think comes next? I want to go back just a little bit to your comment about how you threw yourself into action and the importance of acknowledging what's happening. And it makes me think about our episode with Layla, where she had had a series of really hard things happening. And she talked about them in the episode. So I'm not sharing anything that belongs to somebody else, but she kept telling herself she was fine. And it was a series of really, really major things, but she was like, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. No, I don't need to take any time off of work. I remember her talking about her boss saying, are you sure you don't want to take some time off? And she was like, no, no, I'm good. I'm good. I don't need to take any time off. And that turned out to not be the case. It definitely wrestled her to the ground, I guess is a way to say it. And I think that's a really important thing as well is this idea that, nope, nope, I'm okay. I just need to be stoic. I just need to buck up. I need to be a responsible person. I don't need help. I don't need this. It will come back and bite you in the butt. 
unless you deal with it. I think that's exactly right. Kind of to your point earlier, it can come out in weird ways. I don't know about for you, but for me, it's sometimes like, oh, I got the big stuff. I can handle the big stuff. But then all of a sudden, it's that little tiny, using your words, straw that broke the camel's back. That's like, holy shit, why is this happening? Well, it's happening because I'll speak in the first person. I didn't deal with something sort of being fully present and in the moment. I was off and doing, and again, with the body and the action, I was doing things instead of really letting myself feel things and letting it sort of sink in. And so being fully present, I mean, when I think about that for you and what you just did this past weekend, and even with your mom, who I know was difficult and as shitty as that whole situation was, you spent a tremendous amount of time with her in her last year, probably more than you had in several years combined up to that point. And so even though it wasn't always pleasant, you did have that opportunity to be fully present with her and to ease her way out of this life and make things easier for her. And I think that kind of brings us to the last point that we wanted to make about when things get really tough And that's to try to take some kind of meaning. And I don't mean when you're in the middle of it, because when you're in the middle of it, it's pretty hard to see sort of clear eyed. But, you know, I'll go back to the story about my dad. And I moved back to California two years before he passed away. Now, I've talked about before the reasons I moved back to California were not all the most pleasant in the world. That's not what this episode is about today. But the yuckiness of my divorce and the yuckiness of that whole time in my life was what facilitated me getting back to California and getting to spend time with him. And I used to drive close to where his home was to take the Trans Bay bus over to San Francisco, such that when I got off the bus on my way home from work, I could stop at his house and we would play dominoes or eat dinner together or whatever. And to me, nobody would have wished a divorce, a cross-country move, and then your father passing away, boom, boom, boom. But I take meaning and solace in the fact that if I had been 3,000 miles away, it would have been much harder to help him with things that he needed help with. I just wouldn't have known. Clearly, I wouldn't have gotten to play dominoes with him after work, those types of things. So trying to find some meaning in things. I did think it was so extraordinary that that really yucky situation for you did lead to something that I know you are forever grateful for, is that time with him. And that would not have otherwise happened. And so sometimes it's finding meaning. Sometimes it's having the opportunity to learn and grow. One of the things that came out of, especially the stuff with my mom for me was, I just remember I was working on getting her into this really lovely retirement community, but there was a wait list and I'm talking to my sister and she says, well, what are we going to do if she's released from where she is and they don't have space for her yet? And there were so many moving pieces. And I said, I can't worry about that because five more things are going to happen before then. And that situation for me broke me of my need to plan three, four, five steps ahead is spending a year where it was, I can't worry about anything except the most immediate crisis because there were so many crises. And I'm actually grateful that 
I don't have such a striving need to be the, like, not only do I not want to wait till we come to the bridge, I want to make sure I have a full toolbox of tools in case the bridge has been washed out. (laughs) Thus not crossing the bridge before you get there. What can I take away from this experience? What can I learn? I, you know, I think back to our Mike Robbins episode and we're talking about illness and death and, and stuff that's really hard, but sometimes it's just like, I got fired or I got divorced or I'm just having a shitty week or whatever. And Mike Robbins regularly says, ask yourself the question, not why is this happening to me, but why is this happening for me? And to me, that's a super clarifying way to think about things such that okay, this really awful thing happened. And let's just say, come on, some things are just awful and fuck it. It is just awful. But sometimes we think they're really awful in the moment. And Mike's question is very clarifying to help think about, to your point, Sherry, what have I learned from this or what has shifted because of this? Yeah, I think that's right. And the more we take the opportunity to treat everything as an opportunity for growth and for learning, which is really the whole perfectly imperfect journey concept. We are all on a perfectly imperfect journey and none of us are getting out of this life without hard stuff. And the more that any of us can look at things through this lens of what can I learn here? What do I need to learn here? How can I grow here? And sometimes it's just really hard to do it in the moment when things are overwhelming. I would say when it's all in the moment, it's, it's almost impossible. It's hard. It's almost impossible. And just even in the teeniest little breathing spaces, sometimes there's still the opportunity to say, in my case, this is giving me the opportunity to think small. This is giving me the opportunity to really recognize that no matter how much is going on, I can find these five minutes. And so, you know, we don't wish these hard things on anybody. We don't wish them on ourselves. We don't wish them on anybody, but things are going to happen. It somewhat reminds me, probably my introduction to a more spiritual way of thinking is years and years ago with Carolyn Mays. She's written some interesting books and, you know, she can get a little religious for my taste, but I, I will tell you, I was traveling a ton at the time. And while that always sounds sexy, if you're not a business traveler, anybody that is a business traveler knows after the first couple, it's just not that fun and sexy. And I happened to be reading her book on the umpteenth time I was getting delayed to get from point A to point B. And similar to Mike's question, why is this happening for me? And Carolyn Mays asks the question, again, a bit like a sliding door moment. This is happening now because, and so I would be so frustrated and sitting at the airport and thinking, ah, I just was so angry. And I would think back to Carolyn Mays was before I knew Mike Robbins and think, okay, this is happening now because, right. And I'd make up stories, but the stories would make me feel better. So this, you know, I'd make up stories like I'm not supposed to be at that next meeting on time because it's going to help somebody else to be there or whatever the story was. Somebody cuts you off on the freeway and I make up stories like, okay, his wife just went into labor and he needs to get to the hospital. It's like somewhat silly approach, but somehow it takes me out of like that crazy mode of like just being so angry and it's super helpful. So to your point, there are times when you're in the middle of thinking the whole world is falling apart 
that you can have that pause moment. And it's always amazes me how much just taking a few deep breaths can help you when you're in those moments. So Sherry, as we start to wind down, you're now back from your visit with your sister. And I know she's not completely out of the woods, but how are things going? So I just have to say, my sister is amazing. And as soon as she got home, she was completely committed to every day walking more than the day before. And her doctor wanted her moving around for sure. But my first morning there, she and one of her really good friends, Toby, and I went for a walk in the morning. And I think she walked six tenths of a mile. I was there for five days. And on the last day, and this is just one of the three walks a day that she's doing, on right before I left to come home, we walked 1.9 miles at a perfectly fine pace, not power walking. And when I took her to a doctor's appointment to see her surgeon a couple of days prior to that, and he asked her how she was doing, and she told him she was walking a cumulative three miles a day, he was <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you're, you're moving plenty. So she really is, she's just, she's amazing. She has such an amazing spirit. She's optimistic and she's an inspiration. Well, I think on that inspirational note, let me just say on behalf of all of our listeners, I'm sure that we wish her continued good health and improvement. I, you know, it's amazing to me that under two weeks after her surgery and she's moving that much, it's incredible. For our listeners, we would really hope that anything that you might have learned in this episode, you never, ever have to use, but we have a suspicion that you will. None of us gets off scot-free, and that is exactly the point of the Perfectly Imperfect journey. And that wraps up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love it if you would share our podcast with a friend, give us a rating on iTunes, or post it to your own social media. You can find information and previous episodes at flowingeastandwest.com. Until then, please join us next time for Flowing East and West, The Perfectly Imperfect Journey to a Fulfilled Life.